Hello, everybody. This is producer Casey uh, popping in your earbuds right now ahead of this episode. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you briefly about something that's going on with this show, and it has to do with our name. Uh, You know, this podcast has always tried to highlight marginalized voices in the film industry. Um, We've always tried to give a new perspective on film criticism and doing so we've really tried to be a a positive beacon for people in, you know, scary dark times, which is why we are announcing that we are no longer going to be named who shot you. The reason for this, well, it basically comes down to the fact that we do not, want our show to be misconstrued as making light of gun violence in any way whatsoever. Um, in, you know, this was something that was already in the works. We were, we've been talking about this for months and we were planning on moving on to a new name in the beginning of June. And, you know, out of a multitude of possible breaking points over the last year, uh, this last week just broke us. And we just felt like we could no longer uh, be named Who Shot You anymore. Um, we're sorry that we don't have another name right now, uh, but we will be looking for your help in renaming the show very soon. In the meantime, we will be named the Untitled Ify, Drea, and Alonzo Project. And I have Ify, Drea, and Alonzo here with me. Yes. Right now. Indeed. Mm. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> and they've been super supportive with all this, um, for the most part, uh, except <laughs> with for, the exception uh, of your mixing of an ampersand and an Oxford yeah, comma, yeah. and that's yep. just wrong, Casey. Yeah. I'm sorry. We have punctuation issues, sir. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. So yes, please submit all of your issues to me in writing, uh, <laughs> and I'll take care of them one at a time. I'm not joking. Um, I really would appreciate it if people would tweet at at our at. It's on Twitter at Ifidrea Alonso. Please yes. tweet, um, Casey, there should not be a comma after Drea if you're going to put an ampersand between her name and Alonso. Yes. TLA says so. I double checked. Yes. Okay. It's written yes. in the books. We know. Uh, I, I feel earnestly about that comma, but also I am so glad we're doing this as a team. Yes. This has been something we've discussed for a long time. I do want to give credit to Casey for really pushing this through with heart and um, a lot of work. And I'm grateful for it. I love what we do. I love our podcast. I love everyone who listens and supports it. And it's been very difficult to reconcile a name that all know, I know it has pop culture references and certainly film has been referred to as being shot since it began. Um, it's hard because we are people who talk a lot about social consequences and, um yeah i anyway it, it feels really good to be doing this and i'm thankful that we are all on board go team yeah i want i want to thank the max fun folks for being really supportive about this and i definitely want to thank this, the listeners who have all of the feedback we've been getting online about this has been really great uh we we appreciate your patience and all this we'll be reaching out to you in the near future about suggestions of where we might go title wise but in the meantime just rest assured that our twitter feed is still the same in the same place our facebook feed is in the same place the uh you know the wherever you, whatever uh, uh podcatcher you use to get this show is 
you will still get the show even under the new title. So you don't have to do anything. You don't have to join anything new or change anything. We're still coming your way. We're just going to have a new name. Yeah, different handles, different addresses. But if you're already subscribed or following or whatever else, that that continues to be the case for you. Lays it up. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> so just listen to the podcast. Don't lift yeah. a finger. Don't lift a finger. That's right. Um, yes. These guys are amazing. I love this podcast and I love the people who listen to our podcast. The community has really just been so supportive with the name change uh, that we dropped a few days ago. And like Alonzo said, we will be coming up with a new name soon. You will hear from us very soon. And you guys will be a part of that process. Um, Our handles on social media, on Twitter and Facebook are changing. But if you are already uh, following us on those formats, you don't have to do anything else. But if you're a new listener and you do want to follow us, uh, our handle on Twitter is Alonzo. So it's at Ifidrea Alonzo, and our Facebook group is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Ifidrea Alonzo. There will be links in the show notes as well. Yes. So, but just for now, we're the Untitled Ifidrea and Alonzo Project with all the appropriate ampersands. And soon will be the Movie McMovie cast. And, uh, <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> How dare you you even put that out there? (laughs) Again, submit to me any suggestions in writing, and I'll take them one at a time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think that's it, everybody. Did yeah. I? Did we miss anything? Ify, did you have anything you wanted to throw in? No, no. That that would yeah. That was that was it. I'm just happy to be a part of this team and be surrounded by people who are paying attention, caring about it, and uh, making good content while we're at it. That's all I could ever hope for oh sweet content (laughs) uh yes and uh we've already gotten some great name suggestions already a lot of them with horny in the title uh we'll we'll Mm. we'll see we'll 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 take that into consideration (laughs) i guess um okay well that's it thank you everybody for your patience and now enjoy the show And welcome to the Untitled Diffy Dre and Alonzo Project. This is episode 189, and we are talking about some dope movies today. But you know, I always talk about them with my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have none other than the Christmas Zaddy himself, filled with energy in a room surrounded by books. It's Alonzo's We're All Day. What's good? Uh, you know, Ify, I just made a grilled cheese sandwich, the kind that you just, you want to, if I were the kind of person who took pictures of food and put it on Instagram, it would, I would have, I would have totally immortalized this grilled cheese sandwich because it's just the, the, just the right coloring and the, the cheese melted in just the right way. And, you know, the butter had been out of the fridge for a while. So, it was so I could get all the way to the edges. It, you know, it's a small victory, but I'll take it. I am drooling. I I mean, I'm glad you guys don't bring up grilled cheese every time or I'd be just like, (laughs) dear Postmates, 
I'm about oh, yeah. to finish my podcast. Please send me your grilled cheese. <laughs> I need grilled cheese arriving at my door as I hop off the call. I went to a food truck in Los Angeles once that had, it was a cheeseburger, but it was a regular burger that was served between two grilled cheese sandwiches. Uh, and I thought that, that, let's just pack it in. American innovation has yes. reached its apex. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. True. It found the exact extent of what your arteries could do. Yeah. Mm, yes. Both both innovation I, I like to... and artery flexion uh, found their I like limits. Like to ride those babies to the limit. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of American innovation, let's uh, talk about the Midwest's greatest export, Drea Clark. What's good? Ify, that was beautiful. That was really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, You guys, what's good with me is that my mother has asthma. Mm. And the reason that that is good, she is newly diagnosed. Go on. Yes, the, yes. Reason, the reason it's good is because she's been having respiratory issues for a little while now. And like she's an incredibly active person and like hikes mountains every day and literally has just been coughing, having trouble breathing, hasn't been able to exercise or do any of the stuff she wants. And she put off, like, getting a full, like, CAT scan and all of this, be like many people, is afraid of doctors to a certain extent and was very trepidatious. And then went and they diagnosed it. They got her treatment. And she literally, on the meds, was, like, better that night. And Ooh. the reason it's good wow. is it's I'm very thankful it's not something more serious because it definitely could have been. But also let this be a lesson. Everyone has hesitancy or most people do about going to doctors especially if you think it could be something really bad but a it might not be and b if it is even better for you to go in so this has been a good learning lesson and um a, the kind of the best outcome possible for my mom who is now you know back to hiking around sonoma yelling at people in vineyards Saying hi to everybody because that's how she does. That's what's good with me. Asthma. Yeah, what is she yelling at the people in the vineyards about? Hey there. Hi, that oh. looks great. Keep up the good work. Ooh. Yeah. You know. Okay, so yelling support and encouragement. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, no. I'm sorry. This is my mom. Yeah, yeah. I got it from somewhere. All right. And uh, we oftentimes have esteemed guests in the booths with us. And today we have another esteemed guest, one of the hosts of First Cut on YouTube, one of my friends, writer, director, USC Cine School of Cinematic Arts graduate, high hair, much higher than mine's Robert Butler the third. What's good? Hey, thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm a really big fan yeah. of, of of all three of y'all, and this is a really exciting, uh, really exciting episode we're getting into today. Oh yes, I know. I'm super excited to 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 get into it with you. What's good with you? What's going on? How's your week going? How you feel? Uh, the week's going well. I mean. It's uh, it's been tough, obviously, with all the stuff happening in the real world and everything like that. But, um, you know, finding peace in movies and finding peace and watching uh, the, these three movies uh, kind of, uh, you know, gives me a little bit of, of, of optimism and at least something to look forward to. So, Ooh, OK, well, good. Uh, that that gets me hyped. I like the energy coming in to these movies. Okay. Um. Yeah. Hey, Ify, Ify Wadaway, mm -hmm. our yeah. host, who didn't say his yeah. own last name even. What's yeah. good with you, guy? I want to give you one guess. 
as to what's good to me on today, April 14th uh, by uh, 122. I'll give you one guess. Is it that it's Bastille Day? No. Uh, it, it is not. <laughs> is it that you filed your taxes early? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> oh, that's July 14th, oh, isn't yes, it? Yes, wow. it is. Okay. Well, I knew was the it good with me? Is it your standing desk? <laughs> no, that is, even though it is good. What's good with me is that today, the Fast 9 trailer yeah. has dropped. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we have seen the return of the family. We have seen the return of Han. We are ready. We are amped up. And we're ready to go further than we ever went before. And that is what's good with me. I'm, I'm ready to get in my car and drive fast. Uh, maybe get a tuna sandwich. Uh, <laughs> break the law. Free my friends. I I'm am ready more for embarrassed that I didn't guess that than I am that I got Bastille Day wrong <laughs> i mean fast nine that's you guy i even thought of you when i saw that trailer yeah see yeah oh i'm so amped up i'm ready and uh, the the whoever's running that fast nine twitter is in on all the bits and jokes because someone did a tweet where they're like the you know who could defeat godzilla family and then they posted a gift of vin diesel pointing at the card and says that monster has never seen tail lights and i was yeah. like oh <laughs> give this person a raise they know what they're doing they're a part of the family uh and y'all are a part of our family as we dive into discussing three films from director steve McQueen's small act series lovers rock Alex Weedle in education. We'll answer a call from the hotline. And of course, we have staff picks. All right, we got a lot of movies to discuss, so we're going to get right into the discussion. We will begin by talking about the second movie in the small act series, Lovers Rock. Drea, can you provide a brief synopsis of the film? Oh, this is a, it's tricky to give a synopsis because yeah. it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a loosey goosey kind of narrative. Yeah. Um, essentially, this is a movie centered around a heart, a house party, a neighborhood house party in the same sort of um, what I imagine is a similar area in London that we've been in with some of these other films. Um, it is set in 79, 79, 79. <laughs> All right. Yep. My favorite year. Um, yes. Yeah, set in 1979. And it is this collection of truly the most attractive ratio of attendees <laughs> I've ever seen at a house party, like nary yeah. an unattractive person to be found at this party. Um, <laughs> and it is um, like that. There are little sort of um ensemble feels of story threads you have a romance that comes up you have um ugh, like female antagonism towards each other you have a potential assault you have um fear of outsiders and it's just all of this stuff happening at a house party all in one night um and it's kind of magic it's a terrible synopsis for you guys. What am I going to do? Delicious curry. Oh, swear! I, talk about <laughs> always and delicious I'm curry from the second. Oh, yeah. All mm. of these, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, and singing. It's a musical. I'll also say I think it's a musical. It is both a jukebox musical in that the songs are, but there is an entire. Oh, there's a couple musical sequences. I'm going to call it a musical. You yeah. guys can't shake that. Uh, we'll kick it off with one of uh, Super Producer Casey's uh, discussion. Uh, this is uh, maybe the small axe movie that's getting the most attention. And why is that? Why do you think that is? 
Well, this was the first one that I saw because it was the, mm-hmm. the, it premiered uh, as the opening night of the New York Film Festival last September. And uh, I remember at the time, just I didn't know a whole lot about what this was going to be. So just the thought that this was a Steve McQueen joint when it is so life affirming and joyous, um, <laughs> you know, was like, oh, OK, this is a this is a side we haven't seen before. But at the same time, I think he is he's flexing the same muscles that he's so good at with movies you watch a film like hunger or shame or even 12 years a slave he puts you into what these characters are experiencing how they are perceiving the world in a sensual kind of way and in those films obviously it's brutal and dank and and you know difficult and here it's about you know music and dance and community and and flirting and all of this stuff and I, there were moments in this movie that I, I I wept because this was I was seeing this six months into the pandemic. I hadn't seen anybody besides Dave for a long time. I hadn't been around people, and this movie so just. I, the the way that it captures the sensations of being in a room where it's so hot that the walls are sweating, you know, and where people are looking at each other and dancing with each other and so into the music that the, 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 the entire crowd will sing a cappella, an entire extra verse of a song just to keep it going. You know, uh, it, it's it, it's an experience. I yeah, I agree. I think that this is it gets a lot of attention um, for filmic reasons that Alonzo's mentioning, that there's so much in here. I say this all the time, but it's because I credit filmmakers with their craft, and there's so much in here that is so difficult to do, and he makes it look so easy. Like, the energy in the main sort of the living room where they've taken out all the furniture and it's the dance room and how that changes per song. Like if you've watched anybody try and shoot a house party or just a party at all, you it's normally so stagnant or you get the feel of like these extras were placed here. And <laughs> this is, oh, this guy traveled to 1979 and filmed an actual house party. Like, they're so real and then they're also so different. Like each song, there's songs that are just like, the, they're so sexy that I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm just blushing. They're just so close and just people holding each other, mm-hmm. grinding. And you're like, oh my God, I want to be around people. And then there's a whole shift in the song and there's this sing-along that's just this release for this whole group. And then there's this, the end, like, then there's a whole section where it turns into the most masculine presence. All of these dudes who were lurking on the sides of this the whole time and they look tough. And they're smoking weed and they look like they're, they're all like styled out and hip. But you, when they all let loose, you're like, oh, they were shy. There was like a reserve yeah. holding them back and now they're wasted enough and they are just like, it's cathartic and they're leaving intense. it on the floor. It's, in, it's so amazing. And each of those moments feels so different. And that's how you know, like, what Steve McQueen is capable of is, is just, it's so artistic and beautiful. And that's even before you get to like the stories and the different characters he's able to bring alive. There's so many characters in this that even if you only see them for a moment, you get their whole thing. Oh no. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think that's the thing I love most about it too, is how like relatable it is. Like you could kind of identify, like, especially if, you know, for me, like, you know, being, 
you know, just coming out of college and just being to like a lot of those like house parties and kind of stuff, you can feel that kind of energy. Like, you know, when somebody's dancing, like, you know, really when somebody has a lot of energy on the dance floor and it kind of motivates everybody else to start coming in and flocking to the middle. Um, you know, when, when the music kind of has, when it kind of, when it dictates the vibe and the sensation of where everybody's moving to, you know, if there's more of a, like you said, like a sensual, more of a, like, five B sexual thing, then, you know, the rhythm kind of slows down and everything kind of slows down and conversations become more quiet and whispered. But then, you know, when the music is bumping and the bass is bumping and everybody is, you know, on the floor and getting hyped, um, you know, it just feels like the ultimate like rush. And yeah. And like you said, um, you know, it, you, you can identify people like the, like the wallflowers, like, you know, from when you go to any party, you can see them there too. You can see the people who are um, kind of coming you know, and ready to party or excited to party. And then, um, you know, that energy depleting as well. And that kind of transfer and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just love how variant this movie was, even though it was just set in one place and one time, it did explore a lot of different, it did explore a lot of different, like you said, avenues in terms of uh, thematics, in terms of femininity, in terms of masculinity, in terms of familial relationships. They do a really, you know, Steve McQueen and the whole team involved did a really great job of capturing the essence and the soul of this community um, in a way that's so unique, uh, you know, as compared to the rest of the films in this franchise, because not franchise, I guess, in this uh, series, um, because uh, largely well, with a lot of Steve McQueen's filmography, he doesn't really use that much music. Like he, he goes pretty minimal in terms of like score and original score, especially throughout this uh, series. Uh, but this one was very music heavy. And I think that helped alleviate a lot of the, I guess, more traumatic aspects that were lying underneath um, during this time period. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially with, you know, uh, just the order in which we watch all of these, you know, this was probably the one I watched after the last two, which were very uh, heavy police brutality. So this was like a great break, uh, you know, from from I think all the other stuff. And this was, you know, a lot of people talk about the black joy in this uh, this episode specifically. And it really was nice. Maybe want to get out. You know, I definitely, you know, kind of miss the club now Need to get out there, you know, be uh, yelling with my homies on the floor while I'm getting it, you know, uh, type <laughs> uh, type joint. But yeah, no, it, it really yeah. did feel different. This was this was an interesting one because, you know, Drea was kind of talking about the looseness of it uh, i think before we started recording um and it did uh, for a second i kept i was thinking that maybe i wasn't paying close enough attention because this because like also steve mcqueen stuff has been like really tight like you're very you're very like aware of the flow of the story and this one was kind of just cool but that's what i liked because it felt like that's how the music is like it's just you're kind of just going with the flow of the music and you're not necessarily following the super tight story and it was really beautiful just when you would jump into a situation and then now you're in another dance number and i think you were really on point by saying this is a musical i, I, I mean think, it's, oh go ahead no, I was going to say, it's different from the other four, I think, structurally in a lot of ways, but in the same way that, you know, we see there's that moment in Mangrove, for instance, where they have mm -hmm. the big 
festival out in yes. the street and they're they're doing that party so like he is telling you these stories that are about this is a community this is a community that comes together that is there for each other in the good times and the bad times and in most of the other films it's about the bad times with a little bit of the good kind of sneaking its way through and this one it's like mostly the good stuff like yes on the on the edges of things there are like the the the, the white goons who were sort of threatening to be a problem you know and 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 issues they have to deal with but for the most part the, this is like let's have this moment of just exaltation and of appreciating what we have together and what we do for each other in the best ways mm, i like that i like that and i think on that note it's time to give a review on this film so for our final review of lovers rock would you snap it up on physical media stream it or skip it oh snap it mm. up i mean like no I want to watch this. I want to dance along with it. I want to sing. I will never hit the high note. They keep going back to the same woman to get the high note because that is the girl who's bringing that high note. And I love it. Um, yeah, man, this is such a, it's so good. And it's, it's, you feel good. You feel, you feel this, you feel wrung out by the end. Like you're like, yes, I stayed up all night and it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, for sure. Snap it up. Uh, this, uh, you know, I think there's a there's a when it's done well. I love the genre of sort of one wild night movies. You know, mm -hmm. Daisy Confused, American Graffiti, and and this is right up there. Uh, which again, I think anybody looking at the pre twenty twenty career of Steve McQueen would not say, oh yeah, he's going to make one of those. Um, but he has, and he's but he's also made it in a way that is very Steve McQueen in all the best ways. Yeah, absolutely. I would snap it up too, even though it's even though it is streaming. Um, but you know, if, if Amazon wants to put this out on Blu-ray, I'll take it. I'll take the vinyl. I'll take everything for it. Cause I do <laughs> think it's, it's definitely one of those films. I even, even after this, um, after watching it, um, I went and listened to, I believe the song is, uh, I forget the exact silly games. Yeah. Silly games. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. From Janet Hill. I've, I listened to that song so many times over and over again. So really, really yeah. love this nice. song. It did its work. Yeah. Yes. I am team snap it up on physical media. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd encourage you to do so since Amazon doesn't believe you own your videos that you buy <laughs> through Prime. Uh, so uh, definitely, if possible, snap yeah. it up. Oh, uh, I want there to be a Criterion box in our future for this ooh, whole thing. Ooh. Now you're talking. Now you're really talking. All right, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about the fourth and fifth movies of Small Axe, Alex Weedle, and Education. Okay, uh, big thank you to the handsome man who handed it off to us. Uh, Storyblocks is dedicated to being the world's best royalty-free stock media subscription service with an ever-growing library of stock assets, including music, images, sound effects, and more. So, you know, in the context of this show, and I think really on the internet in general, uh, I'm older than dirt. So uh, when it comes to technology and putting this stuff together, like I tend to be really sort of baffled and terrified about how stuff works. So if I'm going to put together, uh, you know, stock images and music and sound effects and all of the great stuff that, that Storyblocks provides, they make it so easy for even the likes of me to edit, to lay tracks over each other, to combine things 
things in a way that will allow me to use sound and pictures to tell my story, to push my products, to uh, get my message out on the internet. Well, unlike Alonzo, I am ageless. And uh, I'd like to bring that wisdom to tell you that Storyblocks has an affordable subscription plan and tools. Um, with Storyblocks Unlimited All Access Plan, you can get unlimited downloads of everything in their library. And even if your subscription ends, everything you've downloaded is yours to keep, which is key if you are someone using these things. In 2020, Storyblocks launched Restock, an initiative to increase diversity in their library. Storyblocks is committing to having 20% of their footage with people contain Black, Indigenous, and people of color by 2022, with plans to expand their scopes to include more underrepresented groups in the future. So like we said at the top of the show, things will take a while to change over with our new name, so we will still be using our old promo code. Explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com forward slash who shot. That is storyblocks.com forward slash W-H-O-S-H-O-T. Are you riddled with guilt over your TBR pile? Are you filled with shame about a book that you just can't seem to finish? Are you having regrets because grad school killed your love of reading? We're Reading Glasses and we're here to help. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bria. Let us absolve you of all your reading guilt. Stuck on a book you don't like? We'll help you dump it. Can't figure out what to read next? We'll recommend something in your wheelhouse. Can't decide where to buy your books from? We'll point you in the right direction. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Welcome back to the Untitled Hippie, Dre and Alonzo Project. I'm your host, Hippie Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Robert Butler the Dirt. Alonzo Duralde. And now it's time for the fourth installment of Steve McQueen's Small Axe series, Alex Weedle. Alonzo, would you mind providing us with a brief synopsis? Sure. So uh, this is, uh, you know, Alex Weedle, real guy, real author. Um, this is not an author biopic in the sense of, you know, someone sitting at a typewriter and clacking away. This is basically sort of like, how does a writer become a writer? What are the essential uh, uh, parts of a person's life that turns them into an artist? And that is what we get with Alex. Um, he didn't publish a novel until 1999. The film uh, mainly takes place in 1981. Um he goes to prison for participating in the Brixton riots. We see his childhood where he is raised um, basically in state care in the UK, deals with the usual kind of, you know, Dickensian, Roald Dahlian, horrifying, you know, authority figures. Uh, when he comes out of care, he is... He has been colonized. Basically, he has no connection to uh, his Jamaican roots, to the the neighborhood, to the people, to the music, and so has to sort of undergo uh, the education of, of understanding who he is and where he comes from. And then um, when he goes to jail, uh, his cellmate uh, gives him books to read and, you know, sort of opens his mind and his heart to the person that he needs to be and to, to the, the role that he plays in the world. Mm, nice man. yeah that's solid that's solid yeah i guess uh you know this is this is a story that i think uh we've seen many different versions of where it's kind of like someone learning about their real roots after being uh, I, I, I like the way alonzo put it colonized in the mind and, and this this was it was 
fun watching this because there's like a familiarity in this, especially. And I think what I've really liked about the small act series is seeing the similarities in the black experience in the UK versus out here. Uh, uh, and it's very interesting because like I've said on many episodes before, the exported version of black and white relations in the UK is very whitewashed. It seems very okay over there. I, I'll even come forth and say like, it seemed like, it was it it's it they were doing better over there and seeing things like this is like no they were doing just as bad uh but you know they have a good pr team uh much as we've learned from the royal family uh <laughs> so uh so so yeah i i, I, I how did y'all connect with this cuz i i that's that's kind of how it connected for yeah. me yeah this one is interesting it made me think of something I, that's been threaded through all of these which is the work that accents are playing and and we've mm -hmm. talked about it in the sense that like I already had to confess I watched all of these with subtitles on because like yes. there's a range of accents and mm -hmm. slang that are like well over my head. But I think it's been interesting throughout to look at which characters have had um uh either Jamaican accents or like the that you can tell you're like, oh, you were not born and raised in England, you are here now, versus the characters who have had British accents and the combination. So like when we watched um, Red, White and Blue, John Boyega's character had a British accent, his wife had a Jamaican accent and all of the things that were inferred with that of being first generation, second generation, mm -hmm. all that stuff. In Alex Weedle, it stood out to me because we meet this kid and he has this very, he has a Surrey accent, which is a, it's a county outside of where they are. And then he moves to Brixton and his speech changes so much throughout this so that by the end of it, he does have a patois of his own. He's not only embraced the slang and everything, but he has also abandoned the sort of the Surrey more proper accent that he came with. And I just think it's, it's one of the ways there's this, this attention to detail throughout all of these of giving depth of character and, and where they are. And I think that Alex Weedle has really interesting growth in this because it's, I did not know where this was going. Like, I didn't know that he was an author. So when it comes out and he's getting, I'm like, what is this? What is this shitting roommate going or cellmate going, teaching him? What is happening? Is he going to be radicalized? Is he going to be whatever? He's like, oh, he's having his mind opened and he's, he's giving all these things. And Kudos I, to the Foley yeah. team, by the way. Oh, for the yeah. shitting part. Uh, that's, oh, you know. I had to mute a few of those. I was like, <laughs> no, no. Get me out of the cell, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, what what I really appreciated, like like y'all said about Alex Weedle, is is this depiction of incarceration because you know that is something that when like if he kind of alluded to um, when we think of that, we think of that as an inherently American problem. Like that's something that is you know embedded in our like racial discussion because it's so prevalent and so discriminatory. But I think what this film shows you is that, you know, there could be incarceration on all types of levels, right? There could be him being put to the, to the foster care system, which, you know, in and of itself is, 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 you know, uh, oppressive and, you know, for, like you said, colonizing. Um, and then you get into, you know, actually going to jail and having a cellmate and having, and being locked up, um, and having that experience. But then, you know, what this movie also kind of reminds me of is the story of Malcolm X, right? How he went to prison and he was, uh, you know, and he 
had his mind opened by someone who was in the nation of Islam, who gave him a, a lot more information and kind of devalued what we've came to know as like the American way and all these kind of uh, beliefs. And I think that's something that's crucial in this too, because even though we see the beginning with the Brinkston, like riots is kind of one of the uh, like inspiring, you know, things that he ends up writing about, um, you know, we like us following his story is giving us a tunnel vision into how, how life and how perspective can change over time and how, and how, education and how more information can end up, you know, giving so many people in this community a different perspective and end up passing along that information onto, onto the next generation. So, yeah, it, you know, we see it in mangrove and it'll come up again in, in education, but I do love how there's this recurring thing where one character is like, you need to read this, you know, and whether it's the black Jacobins, whether it's, you know, the, the, you know, this treatise on, you know, education, whatever it is, like there is, there's a mentor there to provide somebody with the information they don't have with the literature that they need to absorb, to sort of understand the larger issues that they're fighting against, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that's, that is sort of the essence of so many kind of political revolutions. There is that intellectual aspect of it, of like, he, here are philosophers who've come before us who have addressed these issues. We're still grappling with these issues and we're not going to really understand them unless we, you know, like take on the wisdom of people who've already been tackling this stuff. So that's a thing that I, I, I really love in this. But I do also love... The idea that a cultural that, that that a cultural awakening and a revolutionary awakening stems out of you know Fred Hampton talks about love you know that love is at the basis of this stuff and and so for Alex to be exposed to reggae music to be exposed to you know the you know the the food and the, the all, you know all the things up to and including the political thought that makes him the person that he becomes uh i just think that's so important because this stuff isn't abstract it is about our actual lives and what we do with them and and what community embraces us and makes us understand ourselves uh okay with that uh let's let's jump right into education because i think uh education uh, before I get too far, uh, it it touches on uh, some some similar things, and I think this one was the one that I think I connected with the most. So, Drea, why don't you uh, you know drop that brief synap brief sure. synopsis? All right. So, um, education again takes place in the 1970s, um, and it is structured around this one. I think is the only one. Oh no no. Well, it's entire. The characters are fictional. This happening actually happened and mm -hmm. it's about um a large number of uh west indian kids sort of being shuttled unofficially um and transferred out of the uh, mainstream schools um for reasons that seemed kind of nonsense and well, definitely racist and were put into what they were calling special schools, but was technically called for the educationally subnormal and then would impact these kids for the rest of their lives. They grew up sort of branded by that. It limited their future work possibilities and then who they would marry and then how their own kids would be educated and then work. So it's this systemic um, – 
undertaking, but we're seeing it through the lens of a particular family. Um, this young boy Kingsley is adorable with his adorable glasses, and um, and then his incredibly hardworking mother and father and his older sister. Um, yeah, education. You guys, I'm just going to tell you, I made the mistake of watching this last. I sobbed the entire last 30 minutes of it. And this is an hour long film. <laughs> so I was doing so much weeping and it oh. was very unexpected. And I should not have watched it last in the evening I, because I, I then I had to get... like meditate afterwards. <laughs> I was like so heartbroken. Uh, yeah, and I think I can the guess projection, at the point which it yes. started. Um, my Please guess is when uh, when when the mom kind of finally figured it did all out. And that's when from that point on, because that's when it really rocked me, because this I also want to say this is also the one film that doesn't um, like that talks about racism that isn't really coming from the policing. Mm. Like Lover's Rock isn't that heavy into it, but you still have a moment where they see the cops and that's when they let that one guy in where they're like, all right, I'd rather deal with your dumb ass than the cops. And like everything was kind And then, so this was one where it was like, oh, this, and it's also multi-layered because I think this is not only racism, but also the, the kind of, um, the the way mental health is viewed mm -hmm. and how it affected because it wasn't just black children and even though it was greatly affecting black children it was all these children who were who were seen as like not keeping up and now are kind of fucked educationally and that and that's when it really hit me because really it like i saw a lot of the way like a lot in the way that because the kid you know when you're first watching it he's kind of a little shit and you're like oh you're you're kind of a little shit uh you're 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 you're, you're cutting up and but it but then you're kind of like when i think for me it really hit when i was like oh it's because he's not interested because you because he's not able to keep up and like and like and it really makes the first that first moment when he's having trouble reading and the teacher just skips over him mm -hmm. and they go like there was no assistance. And then it just, and you're like, Oh, like it's, it's funny because, and I think that's what made it hit so hard for me is because it just seemed like, like, like I can remember that kid, that kid who had trouble reading. And instead of us working with him and helping him, the teacher's like, well, let's go to the better reader. Or even when you had, yeah. uh, God forbid, popcorn reading, if you weren't being trolled by the kids who knew you couldn't read, then you had the kids like me who wanted to get the fuck out of class. So you're just popcorning to the best reader so we can get through this chapter and get out of here. And it, and it really highlights the way that, yeah, you know, uh, the kids can be left behind. Now, I do want to take a quick aside to say, especially in America, our teachers have no support and it's very hard for them, the student to teacher ratio, it's hard for them to really give this attention while still having to bust through this curriculum. And that's kind of what leads to it. But in this situation, in this movie, it is racism. They just There's, straight up. Do yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is still something though. Cause they, you know, this is brought about the, he gives the headmaster of his school is so condescending. And when the mom goes back oh. again a second time and was like, Oh, you will continue to see me. I was like, thank you. Yes. I'll drive you there, oh, mom. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> and, was, so I was, I oh, audibly yeah. got up and started clapping. and was like, I, get his ass. I love her so much. <laughs> but 
he brings up like, oh, well, this is a standardized test. And that is something that is still remains true. Standardized mm-hmm. tests are straight up racist and we still rely on them hugely. They, of course, have also explained that like basically every way in to be analyzed about if you're getting into college has a racist uh, underlying element because of course yeah. it does but just calling it like the the blanket like oh it's standard like uh so dismissive mm-hmm. so angering yes robert i could tell you you wanted to help me drive that mom there yeah no i trust me i, I yeah i i would be driving that mom there i would be protesting out in the streets with 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 these people because honestly this is something that is very personal to me i'm someone who oh, yeah um went to school um, in Compton, uh, you know, Compton, California. Yeah, I'm going to um, quick pause you to just to double tag team. Yeah, both me, both me and uh, uh, Robert are both from Compton. Yeah. So this is like the so I yeah, as I was yeah. saying, I remember this is something we've seen like mm-hmm. it's in our eyes. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, I just wanted to emphasize that. A hundred percent. And it's and it's up close and it's real. And I think, you know. Uh, even though it, it is, you know, when you're talking about like how if you said that there's a lot more teachers than there are students, you know, um, it, that is racially motivated because they don't put enough funding into these uh, communities. Yes. And I think that's a further extension into what is going on in, in this movie, because uh, what what's kind of happening is almost like. Uh, kind of like low-key segregation, even though it's not like outright segregation, they are kind of busing these kids over to this other to this other school for the subnormal, and I think that is highly impactful um, because that you know, for one, um, the root of social revolution, like you said, Alonzo, begins with education, begins with information, begins with knowledge, and I think you know, for so many years and so many uh, in so many ways. Um, the black diaspora has been um, has been oppressed so heavily because of that lack of information, even going back to American slavery. Like, you know, there's the, the refusal of teaching slaves how to read. Um, and, and this movie is is actively discouraging people who have, you know, uh, slight problems to, to to deal with that. And as somebody like me, like I personally, I mean, I've never been like diagnosed for it, but I've always had like problems like with like, I felt like with dyslexia and getting like letters mixed up. And I've always been that kid. Like you're talking about if you, you know, you're popcorning to the kid who, the trolls of popcorn to the kid who had a tough time reading. Yeah, yeah. that was me. Cause I would always like stumble on those words and do stuff like that. Now I, I had like a lot of support and a lot of resources like from my family and from, you know, people around me where I could go to like speech therapy and I could, you know, help correct a lot of those things and, and, in my own ways. But, and, and these cases, those things weren't talked about the, this, those things weren't discussed in this film, like in films like Alex Weedle and, and in real life instances, I'm sorry, like, not like Alex Weedle, like education and in real life, you know, institution so yeah like like y'all said it's very it's very real it's very raw i think steve mcqueen actually cited this as being his most personal film too of the of the series which is why he put it last so i'm i'm a really big fan of of education overall yeah this is the most autobiographical of the films he attended the weekend schools when he was a kid the way that the the characters do in this one where they have to go and get like a whole other separate actual education of all the stuff that isn't being talked about you know within the british schools uh and again it's that that moment where the the woman who has gone undercover to find out like the names of the kids who are in this crap school when she goes to the mother and gives her the pamphlet is called how the west indian child is made educationally sub 
abnormal in the British school system, colon, the scandal of the black child in schools in Britain. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, you're right. The, the, when the mother has that turnaround because she doesn't have time for this, she doesn't have the energy for this, she's exhausted, she's working, she just figures the kids are being lazy or they're not doing whatever. And then once her eyes are open to like, no, 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 this is systemic. This is designed to be this way. This is designed to grind your children into dust and destroy their futures. She is not going to be told anymore, you know, like how to deal with this stuff. And, and yeah, I, I find this incredibly moving. Um, this is, I, I would put this up there with just one of the great films about like a kid's eye view of the world. You know, you see it in like in Spike Lee's Crooklyn, you see it in films like, you know, Amarcord or Small Change. Um, Again, McQueen is so empathetic and so intuitive about what characters are going through in a in a spiritual way, in an emotional way, in a in a tactile way, and he just puts us into this kid's shoes. And yeah, he's a bit of a fuck up, but yes, also he's grappling with dyslexia, and he is in this system that is designed to destroy him. Yeah, no, it's it's especially when you like it, when you have that father who was like, yeah, no. Um, you know, I didn't go to school, but my I have a, a child who's went through the whole program and they can't even read. And and it, and I just relate it to that, too, because it is like there is that thing, right, of like when there is some uh, an injustice that has to do with school and you try and come to your parent and they, you know, because kids are kids, they, they don't want to believe you upright outright. And so to see him kind of like kind of like get heard by his mom finally and like the scene where she just like is like come read this and like they have to sit and the sister's there and they're just all watching at that one moment that this kid can't read and they in that they it's something they never thought about they just assume that he knew how to read and it just kind of makes them realize how they ended up in this situation it was it was truly so great i it shook me to my core and the house of the rising sun scene may be one of the funniest things steve mcqueen has ever done it's painful <laughs> that was hilarious but it's also yeah. like it it, it 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 it's ouchy and it it goes on uncomfortably long but it's it is this it, it's, it's a brand of comedy it's andy kaufman i mean yeah. <laughs> also i will never forget that the animals did house of the rising <laughs> sun because oh, of yeah. this movie so all right vote can we vote now? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and vote. And now that it's been demanded of me, I guess I can finally. <laughs> I uh, love voting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's get the, that vote off. So y'all know what it is by this point. Is it snap it up on physical media, stream it, or skip it? Uh, for sure, snap it up again. Mm. I want I want me a Criterion box. And if if I have to, I don't know if we all want to maybe pick what our favorites are in this. I would say, objectively speaking, Lovers Rock is is the most you know is the strongest filmmaking, and the and the 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 craft is there, and and it is you know it's it's great. But as far as the one that that I think hit me mo the most personally, and that I uh, I I just sort of hold to my bosom, it's education. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, I agree as well. I think yeah, I think if in terms of what I probably. I've actually went back and watched Lovers Rock. This was the third time I actually watched it because I watched it when it first came out and I watched it again um, with my girlfriend. And yeah, it's just a very, it's like such a romantic, like cool movie. So I definitely think that's the most rewatchable. But I think when it comes to like what speaking the loudest 
to what I, I personally have experienced and what I think a lot of people have experienced, I think that would be education as well. Oh, if I, and if I'm placing my vote, um, I am going to snap up both of these movies, Alex Weedle and um, uh, Education. Uh, please give me that Blu-ray set. Please give me like uh, each of these. And I want the I want the soundtracks, too, because like like yeah. like Alonzo said, uh, Alex Weedle deals with a lot of that reggae, you know, it, that poetry. I want to see that uh, on, on vinyl or, or any 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 physical media, really. Um. Yes. For me, both Alex Weedle and Education would be a snap it up. Um, uh, education, I also had the most personal tie to, obviously it ma- it was, I, it made me think the most and feel the most. And that's a lot. Cause, uh, we've been through a whole bunch of emotions with the small acts grouping here and education. I will say disclaimer as someone who announced this film made them cry for 50% of the film. There's also a sense of optimism, um, of community, of yes. proactiveness. 100%. Parts of that is what made me cry. The idea that it was on the backs of this community mm-hmm. and that the grace and positivity they were approaching it with. Like, I, you know, moments of grace can affect me more than almost anything else. And so there, it's a positive thing, too. It's not just like, oh, how oh, I better buckle down and watch this. So... Yeah, I think these are all incredibly special films, um, but education, man, whew, had my heart. Uh, you know me. I mean, you have no, you have no, <laughs> there's no doubt in your mind. It's a snap it up on physical media, which, you know, we're getting close. <laughs> That'll make sense in a couple of weeks. I almost spilled the beans. Uh, <laughs> Casey might cut it out or maybe not. <laughs> Only time will tell. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to snap it up on physical media. Uh, but, you know, out of curiosity, I think we should talk about our favorites. And for, yeah, I think for me, it's going to be, oh, man. It's, I think it's a tie between uh, red, white, and blue and, uh, and, um, and education. Those, mm. those for me are the ones that I think uh, were my favorites. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I already put off out my soft spot for education lovers rock is so good yeah i'm with robert like i'm gonna re-watch this one um yeah those oh but you guys mangrove is just a yeah. well-made film <laughs> mangrove's the kind of film it's really this is a programmer's dilemma right here it's i can't have a favorite i need to know what you're looking for and then i'll tell you which one's best for that exact moment <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the, this whole thing collectively, I think, is is a really is a, an extraordinary achievement. And um, I, I want to thank you guys, by the way, for for taking the time to watch all of these. I know this was a lot to look yeah. at for two episodes, but, you know, thank you for 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 letting me have this because I really just love these so much. And I, I wanted our listeners to, to, you know, if they had maybe kind of skipped over it or hadn't gotten to it, like the, to really hear a conversation about it. Yes. Thank you for championing these Alon. So I'm glad that you suggested this. So glad. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, thank you for putting this on our radar. <laughs> what about you, Robert? What was your, what was your favie? Um, yeah. I kind of said lovers rock and, and, um, education out of these two, but I, you know, I think mangrove is, is very, you know, it's so, like cinematic and so big. And I think especially coming out so close, you know, y'all touched on it uh, a little bit last time, but it coming out so close to trial of Chicago seven. And, you know, if being, I feel like very, the highly superior film, um, I think it, I think that's what makes it really, really, uh, really, really uh, so impactful. So 
I like that. I like it. I like it was, you know, a little, little hot take uh, dropped in there too. Uh, oh yeah. It has to get a little spicy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love the spice. We love the spice here. You know, like, like, like we've said on previous episode, we like the spicy food. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, we're going to give you a chance to grab your spicy food while you hear from some other friends. So we'll be right back after you hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks. Every week, myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to the Untitled Ify Dre and Alonzo Project. I'm your host, Ify Wadiwe. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Robert Butler III. Drea Clark. And now it's time to listen to a call from our hotline. Casey, play that call. Hi, everybody. My name is Max Celine. He, him, longtime listener, first-time caller. And I was just thinking that now that you've reviewed all five films of the Small Axe series, and also since Claire Denis came out and said that she wanted to do her own version of, like, a Small Axe type of thing, um, who would be your picks for dream directors to be handed, you know, whatever budget they need to make their own small act style collection of films. And what would it be about? All right. Keep up the great work, guys. Love you. Bye. I love this. I love this question so much. And I love that our callers give pronouns. We're just, <laughs> we have the best people. We're the best yeah, people. Yeah. Go us. I um, I have, I was so excited about this because this is the kind of question that's just straight up development, which is one of my favorite jams of all of my jams. Um, And I had two people immediately come to mind. Um, One was Ava DuVernay, um, Mm. because who is also like two of our talkers here today from Compton and the idea of looking at a range of um, historical, culturally significant things from this part of Southern California um, under her, hand and guidance like she is someone who's already embraced and guided a lot by that of of fostering knowledge of of history and of how it leads to systemic issues and i think that she could do tremendous work and i would love to see what bits and bobs from that area she uh, gravitated towards bringing to life and then the other is uh karen kusama whom I love as a filmmaker. Karen started with um, Girl Fight, which Alonzo played at the Sundance Film Festival. No. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, my friend. And um, obviously has done a whole range of other films that we have loved. But Karen is originally from St. Louis. And I think um, we've definitely seen in the last few years, Ferguson, um, which is also in St. Louis County, has been the hotbed of several recent tragedies and injustices and that whole area. It has been, and I think that there's something about um, the Midwest that gets 
um, not a pass when it comes to, as both Casey and I are from Minnesota, as you know, which has been a uh, lightning point as of late um, when it comes to a lot of racial tensions and uh, police brutality and just misuse of force and systemic problems. So I think there's something about the Midwest that often gets a cultural pass as if it's like removed from uh, this race, the racism of the South or anywhere else. And it is very much not. And I think that someone like Karen Kusama, um, going back to her sort of hometown and, you know, the place that she came from, and again, digging into what historically led to where we are right now is fascinating. And if someone wants to give me the money, I will produce both of these anthologies with both <laughs> of these directors. No problem. I'm a veil. Tech avail. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, like given the, the you know, tumultuous history of race in Los Angeles, you know, in terms of uh, the, the black community and their, you know, their issues with, you know, the LAPD and, and the obviously the Mexican-American community and their displacement with, you know, from Chavez Ravine and stuff, the Asian-American communities. Uh, and, and so I, I think there's a lot of directors who could really do some amazing stuff with that. Uh, you know, Charles Burnett obviously leaps to mind. The Gregory Nava, of course, you know, and then and Andrew on, I think all of all of Ooh. who, you know, could, would be great with that. Uh, and then also like Alice Wu, I would love to see her do something just like real queer and real Asian and real you know just like the, the you know the, the the stories that we aren't being told in mainstream cinema that are building blocks to to where it is that we are now as a society alice Wu, who's the half of it made iffy's top 10 list mm, that's yep, indeed none other. We, we love mm -hmm. us some alice yeah. Wu. Uh, yeah yeah this is a uh, alice Wu loving pod Sorry, that's just the way it is. Uh, I think my pick would uh, would be on the same lines as uh, Drea, where I'm going with my boy Coogs. I'd love to see him, mm. and I'd, and I'd, mm. I'd go as far as be like, boom, Small Axe season two, uh, tapping in the same kind of vein as Small Axe season one. That not only highlights, you know the struggle but also black joy amidst that because i think after mm. seeing all of it that's my big tech takeaway is that we move on top of this struggle that we still life goes on on top of this and it would be fun to cover uh the struggle in that way because we the fatigue is there uh black twitter is loud about it and i think the way you can cover it is in that same way where it's like you know you 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 you, you can do some where you jump all the way into it but also let's see some joy within it no, and and to be, I, I thought that was sort of implicit in talking about doing another small lag. So if I wasn't clear about that, yes, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. not nothing but struggle, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, ditto. No, I, I figured, yeah, ditto. No, I, I think, yeah, no, I was. <laughs> no, it is. It's that thing of you know, it's it's. I think it's important, and there's so much history lost, um, and there's so many people who are so ignorant about the idea of where hardships come from or why. Like, if someone brings up reparations, no, they're actually talking about something legitimate. So there's something yeah. about film giving us the historical context, but also giving those beautiful moments and just human connection. So it's not just like, ugh, suffer, suffer. Yeah, I, I know that's like, well, it's also the interesting thing. And I think the fun way is to tackle the ways it affects in lesser known. Like, I think education is great in the sense that it shows it, but in a way you wouldn't really consider 
it uh where like you know you have uh like i think one of the biggest things with you know unfortunately what's going on uh, you know this past week is this idea of 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 like oh he should have just complied this that or the third not even realizing that he was pulled over for a bullshit reason to begin with and i think people don't understand that they there's this weird like you know uh, this this weird blindness to law yet still in the same vein thinking it doesn't apply to them because if they were pulled over for an air freshener yes the same people who would who who were like you should have just abide oh they would want a manager to speak to yes sir (laughs) Yeah. yeah so so like you know it would be interesting kind of touching those things and then like we're we're sorry go ahead no i was saying again alex weedle what the police are our friends you know yeah, like exactly. that was the he's funniest he's got to be disabused of that notion <laughs> yeah that was so funny oh my gosh yeah robert oh. what what's your uh what are your director takes for this yeah 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 um well for a director i don't know you know i i guess i'm going off the beaten path a little bit in terms of director but i guess creator i would love to see a shonda rhymes get like this kind of Ooh. uh series Ooh. she's from chicago yeah. which has been highly yeah. impacted by gun violence and um you know just by just a lot of a lot of things happening in chicago and i think having a, f- a filmmaker who could really add a humanistic take to it um in a really like powerful and impactful way i think would be really helpful also i and you think, get a whole episode about house music too yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i think i'll be i'll be really dope i think that i mean that's that's awesome Ooh, and I, I would yeah. uh i would also love to see uh the director of blind spotting carlos lopez um uh, esperada lopez estrada he's estrada. a friend of mine yeah Ooh. yeah i would love to see i would love to see him get this kind of series too. explore uh like like what if he was talking about ryan coogler um the the city of oakland um the bay area in general and just you know exploring the complicated racial dynamics um in that so i think that'll be really interesting nice i love that you said that um i'm gonna put my vote in if ava does this or whomever that we get for this season two i'd like the house party to be at a roller rink like nighttime (laughs) roller Mm, rink because that is what i would like in my eyeballs thank you Oh, all right. Well, you know, uh, thank you for everyone who's called in. We've gotten some great calls lately. It's almost like you wanted me to stop saying yes. uh, that joke. So please keep it up. The number thank you. is 979-803-1664. Uh, but now it is time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Alonzo, why don't you start? Uh, you know, I it, it is always a treat when somebody points out a thing that I just somehow missed uh, and, and like an old movie. I think I've, you know, lots of them I haven't seen, but I, I at least feel like I've heard of most of them and I know, Oh, I got to catch up with, but sometimes I, I just, somebody will hand me a platter. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And so uh, we recently on, on this week's episode of a film and a movie, Ben Mankiewicz joins us and the pairing he suggested uh, was brute force and the Shawshank redemption. What is brute force? You may ask. I, I certainly did. It's a 1947 uh, prison drama directed by Jules Dassin, uh, who went on to make Rafifi, which is like one of the great heist movies of all time, uh, starring young, young, young Burt Lancaster in like his second movie. Um, and it is about, a, you know, prisoners who are dealing with a corrupt, uh, uh, well, a, a useless warden, but a very corrupt and and sadistic prison guard captain played by Hume Cronin. Um 
as Dave said when we were finished watching, this is the most violent old movie I've ever seen. Uh, it's a really great noir film. I'd never heard of it, and it blew me away. So it's streaming on HBO Max and on Criterion Channel. Uh, check out Brute Force. You'll be amazed. Wow. Brute I, left field. Force. I love a left field choice. Keeps yeah. us look, it keep, makes us look better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I benefit from Alonzo's deep well of knowledge. <laughs> um, I have a choice this week that I'm so excited about that I just saw that I love so much. It's a movie called Spontaneous. It is currently on Hulu or available for rent. I loved this movie. It was unexpected how much I loved it. It is um, a teenage black comedy uh, with blood in it and by that, it is not a horror film, but it is about this senior class where students just start spontaneous combusting and so literally blow up and pop like balloons. But like our main character who's played by Catherine Langford, like keeps like she's like looking down or whatever. So it happens. The blowing up tends to happen out of frame and she keeps getting doused with blood. But it has like this incredibly witty and irreverent dialogue. There's a beautiful like a love story that's very sweet there's a wonderful female best friendship that happens there are insane philosophical life lessons and quandaries that come up that i did not see coming um it is surprise it's so thoughtful so fun it most reminded me of like heathers when it comes to that combination of like witticism and also uh death of fellow students so anyway <laughs> i loved it and thought it was such a find spontaneous spontaneous all right robert what you got for us what you got um well in the in the spirit of small acts in the spirit of of black revolutionary movies i'm gonna do want to shout out an old film from 1968 it's called uptight um it's from director jules dashen jules dashen yeah exactly and um <laughs> and it's uh and yeah it's actually uh co-written by ruby d who plays mother sister and do the right thing and this is a, a film that follows uh a group of black uh uh revolutionaries who are trying to uh, basically essentially uh you know trying to uh, uphold like a social revolution but they end up getting betrayed by one of their own it's kind of like a judas and the black messiah kind of thing but even way back in 1968 and this was during the height of all of that like during so they discussed like martin luther king they discussed um malcolm x um and they discussed a lot of these uh really hot button issues and topics especially during that time period so um i would highly recommend that film as well yeah it's mm. a remake of john ford's the informer Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. That's what Alonzo's yeah. for, right? And now <laughs> we all have better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good call, know, Robert. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, mine was going to be on the just riding that fun wave uh, while still st keeping it black and was going to do something that we covered before, which is Black Klansman. I think it'd be a, a fun mm. dismount where you, you can transition to something fun. But if you're still like, I'm still mad. <laughs> you're like, I want to have fun, but I'm still mad. Uh, I think Black Klansman is a great uh, jump off point. Uh, but no, thank you for all those great, uh, you know, films that Casey, you you still keeping logs of all of the uh, of the uh, uh, staff picks, right? Or is there somewhere? I remember. Some, I, I, I was. I'm a, I'm, oh. a, I'm a couple months behind. 
It's all right. Mm. But it's you on know. our Facebook page if you go to files. Yeah. If you yeah. go to files, a bunch of them are there. Said, I ain't doing it. Okay, said, that ain't me. I don't know who that person <laughs> is, but it ain't me. But it was Drea because, of course, the queen of the Midwest always does you the You guys, best. I love an Excel sheet. What can I say? <laughs> She's a producer. This is the language yeah, I know of love that. for her people. <laughs> So oh true. wow okay well uh robert thank you so much for being a guest on the show Woo! uh you know truly you. appreciate having to we're definitely gonna have you back it's always fun thank to hear you. you talk movies you were insightful and all that good stuff but do you have anything you'd like to plug before we get up out of here uh yeah i just want to uh like uh if you plug the beginning my youtube channel first cut um we do a lot of great uh movie movie content cinema content um we actually did uh do individual like short reviews for all the small act series as well um you know uh, as they were coming out so be sure to check that out as well and we also just have a lot of great podcasts. We have the Media Podcast. We have our Star Wars show, The Block, so Block the Block. Um, so we have a really, a lot of fun on First Cut. So subscribe on YouTube. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm, okay. Well, Dre and Alonzo, thank you as always for, you know, popping in, showing love, keeping keeping me in line and in the know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it's, is there anything y'all, any final words or anything you'd like to plug before we get up? Oh, Please watch Small Axe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. It, it, I, I, can't, I really was expecting a bigger cultural footprint for this show, and I just want people to discover it. Yes, yes. Uh, I agree. I think uh, Lonzo speaks the truth. Alonzo speaks the great truth. Uh, before we go, I wanted to give you a golden heads up. Uh, basically, we're going to be doing a Oscars live stream live on my Twitch. That's twitch.tv forward slash if these. The gang is all going to be there. Did you just say golden head, like the golden head of an Oscar? Of course. He, he did Is that indeed. the kind of exciting commentary oh, yeah. people can expect if they join us? Yep, getting it live <laughs> and Look, direct. It's, it's going to be the most awkward and remote Oscar show ever anyway, so yes. why not join us remotely and awkwardly? Um, yeah, yeah. It is not. They are going through many hoops to get these fancy people together, so... We could be remote. The stars can be, you know, quarantined for two weeks and then tested numerous times. Oh, that's and in right. A room together at Union Station. Yeah, it's still yeah. going to be weird. <laughs> it's definitely going to be weird. Watch it with us. Yes, come through. If you have a co- if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Alonzo. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Alonzo. Or if you want to send us an email, send one to producer Casey at Casey at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.